Ladies and gentlemen, this picture contains scenes which under no circumstance should be viewed by anyone with a heart condition or anyone who is easily upset. Hey, welcome back to Caustic Content, the podcast where two lifelong friends battle head-to-head in their ongoing attempt to find the absolute worst thing streaming on the internet. And joining me as always, I got Adam Myros here. Oh, it's a glorious day, Steve. Truly a blessed day. Man, uh, just when I thought that Jeff Bezos had had really scrubbed Amazon clean, uh, you know, I, I feel like we found some very strong contenders for the uh the the special how the hell did this even end up on the internet awards so i think it's it's biden it must be biden right he's he's straightened things out with amazon prime joe joe biden (laughs) day one executive order (laughs) let let the dog shit floodgates open and and let amazon be weird again uh also joining us as our our third party here to cast the deciding vote colin tanner is back colin how you doing man can i finish can i finish i'm a third party uh yeah there we go that's what you get america incredible incredible that's the kind of uh you know biting satire and commentary we look for from you colin so thank you for bringing that this week oh I'll, I'll, <laughs> all right I'll, I'll give you a little more uh, remember when that uh his vp pick was just wandering around the stage that was funny that's good that's good stuff that's great it's great you, you you're kind of the uh are, are you the kanye west of milwaukee would you say Oh, yeah, definitely. I'm getting divorced. No, that's not true. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I feel like if you spend too much time with me and Myros, that's kind of like where your life heads. So just keep that in mind. Oh, good. Uh, good. Myros, you want to give our listeners a rundown of the rules for this uh, this beautiful podcast we got going here? Yeah, we better, because I think you may have broken one. Uh, what? How is that possible? <laughs> I don't know, Steve. I, I, I noticed a little framing device about how... Uh, uh, a certain film was uh, found in the security footage or some shit. Uh, you know, Raccoon City security footage found 20 uh-huh. years later. Yeah, uh, we'll talk about that because that framing device is... It make, doesn't make a lick of fucking sense, but go ahead. Give them give the rules. Give them the rules. It's like the inspector gadget of framing devices. <laughs> it just has so many framing devices. <laughs> all right, I'll, all right. What are the rules? Our first rule, we're only allowed to use what the streaming service provides us. If they give us a trailer, boy, that's uh, that's a nice bonus. But sometimes they don't. Uh, sometimes they don't. Uh, second rule, no found footage. Ooh, I don't mm. know. I don't mm. know. We're in the gray territory here. But, yeah, we, we just try to avoid found footage because it uh, leads to uh, 1,000 garbage movies made for $10 about people staying the night in an abandoned asylum. And uh, no one wants to watch or listen to that. Uh, third rule, <laughs> Godfrey Hole Clause, one film per director, uh, unless we deem otherwise. But uh, that's generally the case. Again, we just are in a constant effort to keep the content fresh, so we don't want to keep exploring the same filmmakers over and over again. Uh, mm. Lastly, this cannot be anything either of us have previously seen. Uh, should be a fresh experience for us. It's going to make for a better podcast for you. Well, that's pretty obvious. Yeah. You yeah. guys haven't seen these before? No, <laughs> can't say that I have. Take these out. <laughs> <laughs> I, I thought this was like a movie or whatever, where they just they curate a film for you every single day. Oh, that would be great. I wish someone would do the curation job for me, because half half the problem with this podcast is spending several hours 
during a given <laughs> week, just combing through trash. And you're like, wow, this is bad, but it's not bad enough. Better keep I, looking. I probably went through about 500 films. <laughs> oh, yeah. Episode. It's... Dude. And then, then you've got like tiered lists going where you're like, good enough, not good enough. It's it's a whole thing. It's not a pleasant experience. This is, this is like having your neighbor for inexplicably just start shitting on your on your yard and going like, well, at least it's outside the house. Like, yeah. no, it's not good enough. This is shitting in everyone's ear yards every week. That's what we do. Uh, and these mm. movies shit in our eye holes. You know, sometimes it pays off. It does. It does. Yeah. Truly just creme de la creme. I, I feel like we've gotten to like what the essence of this podcast is in, in this week's episode. <laughs> um, yeah. This is like this entire week watching these movies. It's been like not going to TGI Fridays or Applebee's. It's like when you're at the, one of those sad grocery stores that has like um, franchise stuff from TJ Friday. Like, oh, like when you go to the gas station, you get yourself some fucking <laughs> like potato skins, TGI Friday braided potato skins. You go home, pop those in the old uh, microwave. Yeah, this isn't even really bad shit. This is knockoffs of knockoffs of bad shit. <laughs> it's pretty wild this week. It's, it's cinematic gastric distress. Well, we should probably jump into our first movie, which I chose because I was scrolling through the old uh, recently released horror film list, and I saw a movie called Resident Evil Childhood. And I thought to myself, hmm... <laughs> I don't recall that being released. And then I thought, well, <laughs> you yeah. know, it's it, it might not be a, a like a, a, a what is it? A Paul Thomas Anderson. Uh, <laughs> yes. uh, it, it, one, of, one of his films, it, it could be like a like a CGI or something like, like cartoon. There's, there's a million different things. This could it could have been anime. I don't know. There's things like yeah. this that exist, okay? It's just like, if, if I'm scrolling through and I see Street Fighter the movie, well, is it the Street Fighter anime? Is it the Street Fighter one of Jean-Claude Van Damme? There's options here. And I thought, mm -hmm. well, maybe that's this. And then I click on it and I go, oh, no, this is something more special. This is just copyright infringement. And <laughs> the thing that sold it for me, I think, is, well, the, the description, that, that, that kind of, like, it really drove it home. So, if I may... <clears throat> Oh. Feature zombie debut made by three kids in 1991. Keep that wrong, year in your mind. Wrong, wrong, A parody wrong, of Resident wrong. Evil where a young Chris and Leon take <laughs> refuge in an abandoned building during a zombie outbreak and must overcome the challenges around every corner. Bloody fun for the entire family. Originally, originally filmed in 1997, digitally remastered in 2020. So if we can look at the two bookends of this description, feature zombie oh. debut made by three kids in 1991, <laughs> skip to the end of the description, originally filmed in 1997. How fucking dumb are you, John D. Lofton IV? That's my question for you. <laughs> How oh old, and some of your brothers probably weren't alive in 1991. <laughs> I like to think this was made in 91. It was just, it's fucking about sweet home or something. These are the real yeah, heads. <laughs> They're making a sweet home fan film. <laughs> there's, no, there's no way. There's no way. Because they came out in, in 1989 Evil. on the Famicom. I just don't believe that they would have had access <laughs> to Sweet Home in any sort of translation. I think maybe no. like a, a witch doctor like confused them or something and they just were possessed by the story of I don't know. Did Evil. you see this house? There might have been about 30 Famicoms stashed oh away in a box. There could have been anything in here. So 
obviously I'm, I'm sold on this because right off the bat, not only do they not know when Resident Evil actually came out, they don't know when they actually filmed this, and I don't think they know how old they are, like these three brothers. But what we have is a movie that was made by, like, eight-year-olds, it looks like? Maybe? they What, like, eight, nine, ten years old, maybe? Yeah, somewhere in there. Um, yeah. Somewhere fairly on. young. It's it's three brothers. It's it's John D. Lofton IV, uh, Matthew okay. Lofton, and Calvin Lofton. They're little kids. They're, they're, they all look to be, like, not even preteens yet. Very young. Very young. Okay? Who taught these kids to act? Seriously. <laughs> I have, and here's the, I have here's the part where we shit on 12 year olds. No, but the point is, is we have, we spend most of this podcast like mocking adult filmmakers for making movies that are like substandard. And you're like, man, like an eight year old could have made this. And I finally found a movie where it's just like, no, literally an eight year old made this. So what we have Useless. is it's, it's essentially like, I, I think a lot of kids probably made these with their parents camcorders in, in the nineties. Like, this is just like some kids dicking around and doing, I, I don't know, like where, where does this fall in the Resident Evil timeline, Colin? Is, is this canon? It seems to be between like three and Code Veronica, maybe. I don't know. What's going on here? I just want to say, because I, I, I have done a lot of video game stuff in the past and I know a lot about video games, obviously. But when you're talking about Resident Evil, especially in this time period, it's very special to me. Like, I'm not a, you know, a lot of horror movies. I'm not into a lot of like uh, horror video games, but for some reason, I'm telling you the first Resident Evil, I loved it. I was obsessed with it. Uh, I even like, I was using speed runs on it. I bought a Dex drive. That was the thing you could download. Oh, uh, I had a Dex drive. Card. Yeah. Cause <laughs> yep. I couldn't unlock hunk and tofu in, in, in part two. Um, I went to Funko land and Babbage's and uh, EB games until I found the director's cut. And then the dual shock version of the director's cut, because I wanted to see the severed hand, which they didn't include. They pushed on at the last second. I bought comic books. I read books. I downloaded MPEGs of uh, George Romero's commercial. They did in Japan, which is still like the best Resident Evil to live action I've ever seen. It just has the costumes right. It understands the cheesiness of it all. And oh, I love Resident Evil. So I understand these kids are like, this is fun. Like it's, it's just them goofing off and I love Resident Evil. But the, the thing that pisses me off is that the lies, the lies they put in, the, in, in that paragraph are like, yeah, you know, this is filmed and whatever. Now it's been remastered. I'm like, no, it hasn't. <laughs> it has not been remastered, well, you liar. There certainly is some remastering, but it's yeah. hard to say if it was really for the better in, in any meaningful way. So what they did here was they, they took this shot on VHS kids movie, which I, I think honestly for these three brothers, maybe this project is something Mr. John D Lofton the fourth could have undertaken and then just shared with his family, with his brothers, because th that's who this, that's the audience for this. Essentially there's, there's no one else that wants to see this at all, but all he did, he just, he just George Lucas did. He just George Lucas, the thing. So <laughs> he went through and he used some, like some like shitty, like download off of Google image search, JPEG blood effects, a few special effects here and there, a few screen overlays, a couple of transitions. There's uh, there's a new like intro credit sequence, a couple other things. So he, George Lucas is up this, this children's movie and then decides to loves the yeah. fade to black, take it <laughs> down a it. notch. 
every few seconds <laughs> to tell you that you're changing positions in a movie. I don't understand the point of the well, okay, can we no. just talk about the fake blood for a second? Because I don't know about you guys, but my I literally went, Oh shit, the first time it happened because it's so sudden and unexpected. I had no idea that the, I was literally gonna be seeing like small children with like blood being like spattered out of their heads. <laughs> you getting shot in the head. <laughs> I kept thinking, am I going to be on a list for watching this? Like, is this going to be like, <laughs> what am I see? And also they said that the footage was recovered because of COVID. So once again, fuck you, COVID, <laughs> you assholes. I hate yeah, they, COVID. They needed it's... the fucking year-long pandemic to sort through grandpa's fucking death trap order house. Oh my God. The <laughs> house that they shoot this thing in. Good oh, Lord. Very nice. If I would have seen this in 1997, I would have immediately called Child Protective Services and then we would have we would have shot the pilot for hoarders. I, I don't even know if if are they in two different houses? Because the first house there and you're like, man, this is a fucking mess. Like, it's just shit everywhere. <laughs> it just looks like a family with a bunch of kids and they don't clean anything. And you're like, OK, whatever. You know, like lampshades <laughs> out of place, just pillows everywhere. Just you know, just shit, just shit everywhere. But then during, I would say, the last third of the movie, uh, once the <laughs> what's the tyrant makes it's it's debut which is it's just a shirtless child that they like cgi'd some some like lines onto but the lines don't like track with the child bodies so the kids move them i don't it looks terrible i'm not a resident evil head but is that meant to be wexler is it I, yeah wexer wes wesker 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 okay it's, I think it's supposed to be Wesker because they dub in his audio later, but I think it's from Code Veronica or something they took that shit from, which doesn't, I don't know how true that could be because Code Veronica was like 99, so I'm not yeah. sure if that's accurate. And but this is way, clearly like Resident Evil 2 era Resident Evil. <sighs> I think I'm still like might be RE1 because they, they, the thing is that they're clearly trying to play as the characters, but they can't do that because it doesn't make any sense because it's well, it would have Chris, to, It would have to be 2, wouldn't it? Because, okay, so like... I, I've been trying to figure out the timeline in my head because, okay, let's say that they're right about when they shot it and they shot it in 1997. Even that is maybe giving them a little too much credit, but it has to be because they, the, the, there's the Wesker thing, but then it's yep. Chris and it's Leon. So, and you've got the tyrant, but the tyrant isn't nemesis. It, they just call it a tyrant and they tie it to Wesker. So it has to be one Th and is two. Is anyone called Leon? In the movie, yeah, yeah. The, the, main, the main character, yeah. yeah the, I, I think it's the that was Chris. One. No, Chris is his younger brother. <laughs> it's so okay. Can we can we all just admit? Because uh, here's the thing: we'll get to the other film later. But I, when I watched this one, I watched it second. I went, you know what? This time, subtitles off. I just want to see how much you can a hear. <laughs> right, you can't hear a damn thing. Not one thing. It is completely. And I'm gonna like remaster. I'm like, sure. Sure. <laughs> like, no, we couldn't boost the audio levels, though. I was I was yeah. watching it. I had I had my laptop like just pressed against my face <laughs> so that I could hear the dialogue clearly. I look like my grandmother trying to send a fucking email it was horrible, horrible. Sound I think it, I think it actually might sound good for the show, though. You guys want to practice for a bit? Hey, Steve. <laughs> How's it going? How are you today? Everybody yeah. <laughs> and I, I, I get it. I get it. Like you. You shot this on a VHS tape and you were you were children. I am not like I'm not here to just like dunk on a 10 year old 
but I'm not above it. But what I am saying is there are there are home videos of me. There are there are like child movies yep. that I probably yep. shot like, oh, Ninja Turtles, G.I. Joe, whatever. Like these things exist. I can go to my mom's house right now. I could go through a bunch of different VHS tapes. I can pull these things out. The difference is I'm not uh, if I were to spend time like like digitizing that footage and remastering it. I would not under any circumstances put it <laughs> on Amazon Prime for mass consumption. What kind of hubris do you need to have where you think that <laughs> literally anyone other than people outside of your immediate family want to watch this? And even outside of like you and your brothers, no one gives a shit. And if they if they say they do, they're just <laughs> pretending because you are related to them and they have to see you at Christmas. OK. Oh, I There's watched it was good. <laughs> Uh, I mean, maybe they, maybe it was like someone would want to see it for the footage of Grandpa at the end of there, but then you're still confronted with like, boy, Grandpa's mental health must have been slipping. Why did he own 500,000 books piled up? Oh my God. And just like old newspapers stacked up to the ceiling. Absolute hoarder behavior. Like the whole, the whole, the whole scene where they're like going to the computer to check like the umbrella corporation disc or whatever. And they, they have to go through like a, a fucking slalom of just five feet tall newspaper stacks. Yeah, that was the legitimate avalanche uh, possibility there. They could have, could have killed a kid at any time. Yeah. Actually, I, I really liked them. The, I, th I thought it was very well done. A lot of the shots were very uh, uh, good and the, and the script was excellent. The heroes, they're running away from uh, something and they have to go into this building. They, they decide that the next thing they should do is take a nap. Yep. That's the first thing they do in the movie. First five <laughs> minutes, take a nap. <laughs> then they take a nap later because they're tired. And sure. then they take another nap. And then they're like, oh boy, it looks different in here because they switch houses. <laughs> no. Just a lot. They get tuckered out very easy. These these protagonists, these these fearless heroes. It is interesting to me that the way they constructed this, they basically put their movie together as a game more than like as a movie adaptation of a yep. game. Like it was almost like a reenactment of the game itself. Because there's, there's different points where they like are, are like searching for items in a very video game way. There's like an object puzzle with hats that they solve. Like these are all very, very like gamified things that they're just recreating. So it's, 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 that's the only part where I was like, huh, I guess that's kind of interesting. Not because it's good. It's just, I don't think an adult filmmaker would have thought that way. <laughs> oh, Steve, did you know, speaking of the, the hat puzzle, that, that was a detail that I really wanted to touch on because it, it made me laugh very hard. Where they directly reference a Go Patch Go hat. I'm like, is that, is that a Pat Buchanan campaign? <laughs> uh, and they're, they're fucking Pat Buchanan hoarder house. This does not get any more late 90s than that, I think. That's that's pretty impressive. <laughs> and then what are they searching for? What's the ammo? What's the ammo that they're they're oh, like electric, the electric uh, cards. Yeah. The cards for the electric gun, because this is more kind of a more of an electric gun movie than it is a Resident <laughs> Evil movie. There's a lot of time and, and energy and detail in the electric gun. Not much in anything else, but this kid is no. like it clearly he he's got bigger ideas than the rest of the crew. Okay, so obviously we're dealing with the uh, hoarder people who are probably not doing the best job of parenting, but this this electric gun gets a little out of hand at some point cuz at first it's an electric drill, 
with no battery and no no drill bit or anything. And then all of a sudden, it's a full on fucking drill. With just, he's just running around with a fucking drill with the like a fucking five inch drill bit in it. I'm like, this is yeah. not something you no, can't play. You can't safe. play with this. Absolutely not. Cordless <laughs> drill without a bit in it. Sure, why not? And they're constantly killing each other with the guns. So it's not like it's not like, well, he's just going to hold the prop like, no, it is used as a weapon against the other mm-hmm. children constantly. Like there's one shot where he just is. It's a single shot. And I thought it was actually kind of cool. He's walking down the hallway and then the hand comes out and grabs him. And he goes, ah, and so he shoots the ground, stomps on the head and blood shoots out and he <laughs> walks back without changing shots. And he goes, yeah, there was a guy there. I stomped on his head and then just keeps going. It's just like the least dynamic, the least interesting way to film like a near death experience. This is like we're talking about like what this house looks like too. It's an absolute trash labyrinth because there's yeah. all these like at one point they go into a closet and then there's just a hole in the wall that they crawl into. <laughs> they may or may not actually like go down a laundry chute in the floor. The basement has just like just garbage everywhere i'm pretty sure there's there's like actual holes in the house that they're just walking through this place is it should be condemned yeah they the one of the puzzles they saw was because the bathroom doesn't have a fucking doorknob on the door <laughs> just rip the fuck out <laughs> i also noticed you can the, get in the, but you can't get out <laughs> there's the classic fucking horribly made house uh, uh, that's not maintained where where you open the door and it slams into the drywall there's just a huge fucking hole in the drywall yep. You love to see it. That's good. We love that. I, I, I gotta say, it is kind of interesting, though, if we really actually look at this, like, as, and really, they talk about this being a puzzle, right? And they talk about it coming out in 2020 because of COVID, right? Are you following me? The mm-hmm. children are in danger. Why? Because they're in the basement. Are you following me yet? Oh, <laughs> Can't is you this see? Pizzagate? Did we figure this it out? A, yep. This is all about Q. Oh, He's been playing the long it. game. The breadcrumbs. It all makes sense now. This is just a, it's a QAnon op. We, we figured it out. We followed the breadcrumbs. Yeah, we solved it. Um, now all the indictments will be unsealed. The electric gun, the storm. Do you see oh, it? Oh, yeah, yeah. That's, that all makes sense now. It's all QAnon. Vague <laughs> references. Vague references everywhere. <laughs> oh, my God. Those people really need something to latch on to these days, so we should send them this movie. They'd probably enjoy it. Here's my, <laughs> yeah. my main issue and your with Patreon. this. your <laughs> Patreon. There, there's an issue with this movie for me that is, it's not its existence. Sure, it's kind of, I'm sure, you know, it's reminiscent of a lot of things, you do in childhood and it's not like the worst fucking thing. It's pretty elaborate for a kid's, uh, you know, playtime game, but, and you know, for being kids and putting this together. Great. I, I, I'm sure if I were in their family, it would be fun to watch, but the problem is this, this remastering <laughs> nonsense. Like if you want to do this, do it fucking better for God's sake. Like just, <laughs> yeah, you're, you're already shit. copyright infringing. Why aren't we just using fucking assets <laughs> from the games? Use your inventory screens, your overlays, anything like that. Instead of just like, I, I got free fucking like digital blood splatter effects and, and mm-hmm. fucking slapped it in there. And, uh, I, some of the zombies almost look like they were from like one of the, I think, uh, the first person, uh, gun survivor. One of them oh, looked Resident like Evil Survivor? Survivor. Yeah, I thought they yeah. looked like assets from House of the Dead. <laughs> oh, I assume they're just like fucking off of Unity, like $2. That's the correct zombie the answer. Is, yeah, exactly. I think there's it's, like five filters of like 
you know, Googled hastily searched uh, zombie, no background, you know, footage yeah. and download like I'm using an MPEG and MP4. And like, I yeah. mean, yeah, if you're just making a project like this for your for family consumption, you're not your intent is not to put it on prime, then go hog wild. Just fucking take assets from the video games and then you would have something that would be pretty charming and and like a cool thing to do for your brothers or yeah to remember your grandpa and blah 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 but instead but, i don't know why we decided this needed to be a commercial product by any <laughs> i there's yeah. a there's a um uh an interview with john cleese when he's on the set for um what is it my python and the holy grail and he's totally pissed off because they had two directors and one was terry gilliam right and Terry Gilliam kept wanting to add like a fog machine and smoke effects. And John Cleese is like, ugh. But like, what's like, how many laughs is the fog going to get? You know, because he was pissed off about it. And I always thought about that. And I always thought, well, he's wrong. Because the funny thing about that movie is like the contrast between how it looks so professional, but then people are just kind of like, you know, they act normal or they act silly, right? Mm-hmm. If they had taken this footage, if he, like you were talking about, um, if they'd taken this footage and they'd really put in the work and like, you know, added like fog, like fake digital fog. And like, you know, when the alarm is going to go off and the house is going to explode, maybe like flashing lights. Like there's a lot of different filters you can apply, but they only put like fake blood and zombies. And that just seems weird. Like, how old are you when you edited this? Like, what, yeah. <laughs> like why do you want to shoot this child? Like one child is shot repeatedly throughout this film there's one kid that is just dignified as the the victim it's really i think that, that was the youngest brother like oh it's like okay well i'm chris i'm leon little brother's like who do i get to be it's just like well you're just everything we kill that's what you are <laughs> yeah. real little brother behavior <laughs> i'm sure he's fine he just had to pretend to die to, to get um approval <laughs> my my only regret with choosing this film for this week is uh, oh, because what the we, fuck? <laughs> one is I only have one regret. <laughs> my only regret for choosing this film uh, is, you know, we we do have a rule that says you could only use a director one time, and after checking out uh, John D. Loft and the Fourth's other movies that he has on Amazon Amazon Prime, such as The Survivor and Smasher X, I feel like I could have missed a, a good opportunity to have another winning film. Uh, it, it available to me, so uh, it really is a shame. Cuff, those are those aren't films. Uh, trust me, I watched Smasher X because I was like, "What the? Oh, fuck it's is only this? ten minutes oh, long." No. Yeah, all of these things are like super short, like minutes long. And Smasher X is some sort of like film made for like a I, I film, quote unquote, made for like the fucking Smash Brothers fighting community. Oh, yeah. it's, it's a very uh, strange thing. <laughs> That sounds like the worst thing humanly possible. I will say John D. Lofton, uh, not a ton of info on him, but uh, he does he does a little bit of editing. He does some filmmaking. He's an actor. Not a lot of people know that. And uh, he's going to be starring in a film called Abaddon, which will be allegedly released July 2021. It's in post-production right now. Uh, co-starring. Well, I, I don't I don't know if our boy is really a star, if he's just, you know, uh, he might be like soldier number three, but this is a movie with Joe Estevez and Ron Jeremy, who I didn't God think was damn. working anymore because pretty sure he was on his way to prison. But uh, maybe oh, his trial is. got He's delayed. Done. <laughs> yeah, so well, maybe done. Trump pardoned him. I don't know. Uh, you never know. That's I didn't check the whole like 120 <laughs> Trump pardon list. Oh man! But yeah, nothing I, but the best, uh, man. 
Yeah. Whew. Rod Jeremy, Jesus Christ, you piece of shit. You so, murdered people for no reason? Well, <laughs> we'll get you out of there. Um, yeah, I, I don't know. This is, it's a thing that, like I said, it's, it's hard to dog on a bunch of children for making a shitty movie. But nope. what I could say here is <laughs> a bunch of kids made exactly what I would expect from a bunch of kids those age, which is not something I want to watch for more than like two and a half minutes. And then an adult went back and said, I'm going to take this footage. I'm going to reconstruct it. I'm going to make it worse doing a decent amount of work, but still in kind of a lazy way because I don't fully commit to the gimmick of, you know, copyright infringement and, and resurrecting this as an actual full like, feature. Um, and then he pushes it out. And he says, man, I, I bet the world wants to watch this. <laughs> and speaking on behalf of the world, no, we absolutely do not want to watch this. So thank you. Yeah, uh, it's Mr. a strange one. It's a strange one because, again, like this is not without any charm. I for about the first 10 to 15 minutes, I was like, huh, yeah, this is kind of fun. I'm, I'm having a little chuckle with it. But yeah, after that, it's just like fucking enough. Enough with this shit. Yeah, seriously, kids are more creative than this shit it's just kids that left the camera on while they were playing and they're improving. like yeah. i've seen like have you ever watched m night Shyamalan's childhood movies because they're awesome like he tries to do his own indiana jones kids are creative and when they care about movies they they make cool shit and i think like most kids would be kind of offended to be like yeah it's good now i bet there's some kids out there who are really into constant content <laughs> mm-hmm. my big takeaway from this is i'm glad i don't have children so I, oh, I don't yeah. know if that was the goal of the film, but here we and are. Roe v. Wade is secured for at least a little bit now. Yeah, so. <laughs> that's, that's good to know. Good to know. So I don't have to worry about this happening to me. Uh, before we move on to our next feature, I do want to talk about some of the, uh, you know, uh, alternate takes that people had on this one. Because obviously no. we were we were a little hard. We were a little harsh, a little harsh on the old kids. But not everybody was. <laughs> uh, five stars uh, from a guy named Ray. Definitely made by some diehard RE fans. Ray says, this was made by some diehard RE fans. It honestly was not great. <laughs> but you still gave it five stars, motherfucker. Uh, but I enjoyed watching the little guys accurately, spelled wrong, depict Resident Evil. Accurately. This is mm. what the game is. They put a lot of effort into this film. I couldn't rate it less than five stars. I remember my childhood days remaking my favorite movies. I wouldn't recommend this to my friends. But I would, Mm-mm. to a diehard RE fan, it was cute. No, that's not, Mm-mm. I'm sorry. <laughs> I don't care what you, just because you did something as a kid doesn't make it good now. Maybe you ate a fucking peanut butter and fiberglass sandwich, you dumb motherfucker. <laughs> okay. Um, five stars from MB182. Made by oh, kids? More? Yes. Watch this more. now. Uh, plenty of inside jokes for Resident Evil fans. Gobs of gore for the zombie killer in us all. Great child acting with updated special effects. A wildly fun ride, well worth taking. This stinks of I'm related to whoever made this. Uh, one more five star. No, this stinks to, uh, to I have more than one email address. You know, and I just create multiple accounts. This is bullshit. This is AstroTurf. This movie sucks. No one could like this. Uh, we'll get into AstroTurf when we move on to our next fucking Oh, film. yeah. We got some real AstroTurf coming your way. From Douglas Gray. I never knew what good was till I saw this. Are you okay, Douglas? You've been locked in a fucking bunker for the last 25 years. Uh, these kids made Resident Evil 6 look like a bad fanfic. 
10 out of 5 stars would recommend. Please hire them for all future Netflixy Residiati Evil shows. Playing all roles, even Alice. They are the bomb. Three people found this review helpful. Oh my god. <laughs> Uh, the only, I mean, the, the the one that I agree with the most is a guy named Mikey gave it one star, uh, and he what? said... That, that, yeah, How many people one star, see this thing? One, one star, one out of five stars from Mikey, and he said, what a waste of time, I turned it off after five minutes. That's the title of his review, and the body of the review says, what a waste of time, I turned it off five minutes after watching it, which that doesn't make any sense either. <laughs> <laughs> so after what, he just fucking, he left it run five minutes after. I, I, I left it on, I left it on the time, I left it on the end credits for five minutes, and then I turned it off. But one star, at least he gave it one star, thank the fucking Lord. I just want to say one thing. And that's just, that's that I understand what those kids they they were drawn to making a Resident Evil thing because that was the only zombie shit that was out then. Now we're just like flooded with zombie shit. Even mm. probably the worst time you could ever release this. <laughs> like, yeah, I mean maybe Resident Evil Childhood was the best '90s uh, zombie film. Who can say? But uh, I think it's I think it's uh oh, fuck which one is that? It's Return of the Living Dead three. I don't remember. If Rave that's from 90s. the grave. Yeah, there you go. No, that's, that's not three. Film that, that's Four. Four? Three is the one with the biker chick. That's it's decent. Oh, okay. Or decent. Idle Hands. Either one of those two. One of those two. Well, I guess it's more if you count uh, Cemetery Man as a, a zombie film. Yeah, Ooh. also true. Also true. Well, All Monkey right. Bone. Oh, that's after... Uh, never mind. <laughs> well, we're, we're moving on from shitty Resident Evil to... I I don't know. Shitty I walked with a zombie? <laughs> Maybe? Uh, Maros, oh, your, wow. your choice was uh, was Key Lime Voodoo, directed by Joe Blanco, who I repeatedly in our prior to recording conversations called Joe Jorgensen. And I was like, why do I keep calling him that? And it turns out that was a shitty libertarian lady that ran for president. So, uh, no, this is this is different. Joe Blanco is not Joe Jorgensen. He's a he's a different brand of <laughs> shitty, I guess. Colin, uh, what is Key Lime Voodoo about? Key Lime Voodoo is a film about a relationship and the way that it breaks down over time. And, <laughs> and this woman who's recently single and the way that she explores the world around her uh, through her music and through nature, eventually encountering a small town and uh, some nice people who is unaware, whom is unaware of their sinister intent. So I would say uh, Key Lime Voodoo is a, just a very inspired take on on the dangers of strangers. You know, just don't mm -hmm. trust anyone, especially if you think they might be gay, but they never explicitly state it. <laughs> but they really imply. Seems to be a problem for her in this movie. <laughs> um. Oh boy. Now <laughs> we we've watched a lot of shit. And I, I think there's a lot of like very specific, like worst of awards that you can give. And at the end of the day, is Key Lime Voodoo the worst thing that we've ever watched in the show? No, I don't think by a long shot. However, I will say, worst editing I have ever watched. Oh, in a movie. really? Yeah, <laughs> I have it up there. I, I mean, I think this is Mount Rushmore of of worst things we've watched. I, I, I this thing. It's fucking impossible to put your eyeballs onto. I was telling Myros that uh, five minutes in, I paused it and restarted my computer because I thought it like the like the video codec was fucking up or something because of how the like that that um, that dinner sequence in the beginning 
was was mm. edited and, and just the weird ADR going on. I was just like, something's wrong here. Something is desynced. I need to restart. Nope, that's the movie. <laughs> but it really is. If, if you if you seek out horror films that are disorienting, you this might be the most disorienting movie possible to stream on Amazon right now. That's for sure. I just want to make this clear. I loved portions of this movie but i did yes i will not lie i am a hack i am if you put uh if you just do some weird bullshit i think this is almost like found art you know what i mean oh, this is, <laughs> or uh, yeah this is this guy is marching to the beat of his own drum that's for sure and it's, yeah outsider art that's what i'm looking for i love i love director joe blanco because he actually, uh, based on the information I was able to cobble together from the uh, World Wide Web, uh, Joe Blanco was a photographer for many, many years uh, in New York, and he grew up in the, in the Florida Keys, it seems. And he wanted to do a movie for the first time pretty, pretty late in his life. I mean, he's not like a thousand years old, but, you know, he just woke <laughs> up one day in his 50s and was just like, okay, it's movie time. And my favorite thing about Joe Blanco is you could kind of tell that he's a photographer sometimes. Because oh, yeah. there's there's moments, especially in the last like 20 minutes of this movie, where it goes full just dicks out for voodoo, and mm -hmm. everything is just going nutso in the movie. And there's all these still shots where you're like, oh, that's framed, that's lit. And then the moment the camera moves, <laughs> you're like, yeah. oh boy. You, you would think Don't that move would it. that would that would be a bonus for the movie in the looks department, but instead it's somehow even more of a negative because it's so I'm like, what did they shoot this on like six different formats or something? Like sometimes yes. it looks wonderful. There'll be like a, a two second shot where you're like, oh wow, that's wonderfully composed and and the lighting looks great and it's there's this depth of field and then yeah, it, it like it's hard to describe how many edits are in this fucking movie. Like all yeah. of imagine, the edits. Imagine though, and, and and just like the whiplash that you get from it. It's I've never seen anything like it before. It's like if if you were watching Planet Earth in like 4K with HDR and like a, an 80 inch television, you're just having your mind blown. And then all of a sudden, there's a quick cut to a guy just like dropping his iPhone three while like videos on, and then there's a FaceTime call, and then it just cuts back. To planet Earth, it doesn't. It's absolute you total and visual it. whiplash. But no, the, the, you can tell this guy was a photographer if you actually look at the opening shot. It's pretty well done. Uh, the lighting isn't quite right because it's too dark. And but he knows his camera because yeah, it's his like camera, a dolly. which is obviously which is obviously a camcorder or something. <laughs> and no, it's got to be a fucking phone. This has got to be a fucking iPhone. Movie. <laughs> it looks the digital noise is just crushing it like every once in a while you're just seeing those little rectangles just all lighten up oh <laughs> yeah like, but but like oh. you said at the same time there's all these moments and, and that that opening sequence with the credits and everything where i was just like oh man myros might be in trouble this i guy said the same like he's thing doing that some fucking, shit. there's this dolly pan out of like this hallway and it's flipped upside down yeah, it's it's an upside yep. down flip and it's a dolly pull and I'm like, is he does he have tracks? Like, does he have a full film crew? Because that's that's one thing that can sink you on this show if you're if you're a new listener. If you actually have a film crew around you to like set up things and light things and you know do dolly shots or or you know simple camera <laughs> techniques like pulls and pushes, that that could be phone tracking bar. Yeah, that's. <laughs> that's Fortunately, that that fucking pan is is probably the only shot in the film that lasts for longer than. 10 seconds so uh 
immediately became yeah. clear that it wouldn't be a problem on a technical level for me to pull this up. Yeah, it's uh, it's it's pretty wild. And I, I don't know, like the other thing that I thought was very, very interesting was the story setup doesn't make a lot of sense and we don't have to get into it too much. But basically there's this girl and she's a musician and she's in a relationship and she doesn't seem totally happy with it. She lives in Maryland, keep in mind. And she decides that the solution to all of her woes is to go to like the Florida Keys for a few days. And it doesn't seem like like they're fighting, but there isn't like an explicit breakup. And then when she gets down to the Florida Keys, they, they set it up like she's just like moving down there, like she's leaving him. She's walking out, whatever. But when she gets down there and she's talking to everyone, she repeatedly says, I'm only here for three days. And meanwhile, back in Maryland, her boyfriend or maybe ex-boyfriend is freaking the fuck out. Because she's gone for, she's going to be gone for 72 hours. Like, it doesn't hey, he's make a any cop. sense to me. He's a cop. And he's a cop. He's a cop. Yeah. They beat their women more than most people. I'm just saying. Yeah. Basically, she gets like lured into this, this whole voodoo thing going on in, in the town of Key Lime in, in the Florida Keys. And her cop boyfriend, maybe ex-boyfriend goes looking for her. So it's, it's kind of that, again, Stalker. Like, I walked with a zombie. Let's just say it. Stalker. <laughs> he's, she's not inviting him. But the, the thing that really drew me in was these broad swaths of like what the story is and where it's going. Those seem to be explicitly outlined. So there's there's sort of a through line. But all the connective tissue that you would expect out of a narrative feature film is not there. And it's not there by design. So anytime yep. there's dialogue, it's like Joe Blanco is saying, OK, so you need to get to the point where you know, you have to invite her to see the orchid lady. I don't care what you say before that. Just have a yep. conversation. And none of this seemed like it was rehearsed. Yep. None of it. None of these people know how to improv anything because Ex how could they? They're amateur actors. I'm not even blaming them. They don't have any direction. And so what you get is, is like, it's one shot chaos. It's just absolute chaos. You can already, you can already imagine it. Like being like, um, okay, I, um, I want you to just have a conversation where you're going to show her the orchids. Well, what do you want me to say? Let's say, um, show me the orchids. Okay, action. Show me the orchids. Was that good? No, we need more words. <laughs> like, you can just see how it's like slowly grinding out the, the scene that means nothing. That has yeah. no point. Well, I mean, he would use that, though. He would just use the, the, her saying, show me the orchids, and then immediately cut to some fucking nonsense. Uh, it's like the, if you would posit that the connective tissue is purposefully removed to what fucking end? So they could in, replace it with like the fucking coffee shop rock nonsense. Like gee, this, this movie is a stop and start music video. It's like every, every fucking 30 seconds, it, it starts a 10 second snippet of a folk music yep. video and then stops it again. Now, did, did Joe Blanco, did he get the rights to Stairway to Heaven or did he just have her play it yes. on a piece of guitar in the background <laughs> the entire time? I wrote it down too. I wrote it down too. I said, I, I literally had like, there's the police and a woman and she's playing Stairway to Heaven and an open mic. <laughs> like, I, I'll be real with you though. Like the way that I look at the way this film is edited, the way I look at the way, the way, the way, the way, the way I look at this film is that it uh, has some very curious editing, as you pointed out. But it, it reminds me of maybe like the mid to late 1960s when not Andy Warhol was directing, but he had people 
directing and he was like funding them like that one guy who went to paris and filmed a bunch of shit in black and white like it doesn't really make any sense but like i don't know it was kind of cool like I, I thought it was at least interesting and dynamic and i think if you turn the sound off you probably would enjoy it more mm-hmm. <laughs> so would you would you compare this to like nelson lyons the telephone book from 1971 i've never yeah yeah it's real similar <laughs> I was if if I had to compare it to like um uh I won't say like a known director but at least somebody uh that somebody might know would be a Derek Jarman. Do you guys know that guy? The no, he did like the garden. He he was um he died of AIDS in like the mid nineties, but all of his films were very experimental and weird, and like collided all these things together, and it didn't really make any sense. Like, oh my god, this guy's like covered in blood, and there's like a guy marching around going ha ha ha, and then that's gone, and it becomes something else. And women like rubbing glasses that make a noise, and they're like poorly cropped, but intentionally poorly cropped. It's like. I get what this guy wants to do, but the problem is he keeps circling back to trying to have a plot and there's mm-hmm. no plot. Like even trying yeah. to have people have a conversation, it it's shitty. Like just let it be weird. Like why the fuck do you keep trying to be a movie? <laughs> like it's clear the movie was Does found he know in he's weird? Room. Does Joe Blanco know that he's weird? Or does he think this oh. is like how people behave? I don't know. <laughs> I mean, it doesn't make a difference. I'm just kind of, I'm kind of curious. <laughs> it's it's very artistic i'll say that but, you know, i don't maybe understand what's even what's even happening here honestly uh, i i on her road trip down to florida i wanted to fucking kill myself i wanted to fucking end it all <laughs> i i just i can't with this this is <laughs> this is not art this is a fucking nightmare <laughs> i like some of that music that's a pretty yeah, good well, you, you don't like led zeppelin come on I, I, I just don't understand. It's like someone it's, it, it reads to me like your fucking aunt took a trip to the keys and left her fucking cell phone camera on the whole goddamn time. And then some absolute maniac edited the footage together. Yeah. I, I, um, you're telling it to me like, that's the type of movie I want to see more of. Or, or, I mean, if, if we're, if we're taking the, the line here from like uh photographer to filmmaker, what if you wrapped a plastic grocery bag around Terrence Malick's uh, face until <laughs> from the lack of oxygen, he had like irreparable like brain damage. And then you handed him an iPhone and set him loose in the Florida Keys. Would you get something like this? Possibly. Well, we it would know. be edited different. I mean, uh, Terrence, Ma- <laughs> if you're making a movie like a Terrence Malick or I, I suppose this tries to like, I feel like the director might have thought he was making like. Uh, fucking my blueberry nights or something, which isn't even a great thing to aspire to. But uh, that's that's the vibe I got. It's It's the frame rate is fucking going all over town half the time in this goddamn thing too. Yeah, and uh, a lot of great touch points here. I mean, Wong Kar Wai, Jacques Tournier, um, uh, we mentioned Terrence Malick. All all the big guys are here. They represented well. Unfortunately, (laughs) the talent is not fucking there. <laughs> like if you watch a Malik film, I guess my point would be that or a Wong Kar Wai film. How long are the fucking shots in these movies? These these you linger on this fucking natural beauty. These are exceptionally long shots in a in a film like this, as opposed to this, which mm-hmm. is just edited but- into the biggest slurry you'll you'll fucking ever see in your life. It's so cool though because <laughs> <laughs> it's incomprehensible. <laughs> All right, Adam, we have to we have to reenact this. Here's the breakup scene. Uh, you have to tell me uh, you have this dream to go to Aruba. Okay, you all set? Uh, 
I have this dream to go to Aruba. I can't do a Jason Statham accent. I'm sorry, unfortunately. <laughs> I had this dream just to like, go to Aruba. I, just immediately, just we have this dream to go to Aruba. It's just like, but and also there was a music sting that just went like when he said it, and it means oh god, or, or when, when when they're like it they're fighting nothing. about their bullshit, and then all of a sudden she's like, I want a glass of wine. Where's the waiter? Like, it, there's no break in her speech. It's just it's rapid. <laughs> you're my fire. favorite customer. <laughs> like, yeah. Thanks, Johnny. You're my favorite customer. It's the same energy. Same energy. But did you guys ever see Poetic Justice? The No. I forget the name of the guy, but he also directed Boys in the Hood and something else. I don't remember. He's a really good director, though. John Singleton? Poetic Justice. John Singleton, yeah. Yeah. I finally saw Poetic Justice last year. Never seen it before. Unfortunately, the guy had passed away. So I'm like, all right, I'm going to check this out. And wow, Point Justice was one of the worst movies I've ever been recommended by more than like three people. <laughs> like, so you're more so of a B.I.G., less of a Tupac guy. Is that what you're saying? No, I'll see what this is. This guy got a, a <laughs> chance. He got a shot to have a budget. And what he did is he made a death scene, even though the movie had no place for a death scene and a romance scene where it had no place for a romance scene. He was just shopping his skills. He figured out all these ways to shop different skills and just made a movie out of it. And it sold him to eventually, I think he got an Oscar eventually. That's mm -hmm. kind of what I think the guy was trying to do because... There's horror elements in this movie, even though there's large portions where there's no horror whatsoever. <laughs> like the tone <laughs> is very inconsistent, but whatever yeah. tone it is in the moment, it's 5,000 fucking percent, you know, like 120 miles an hour, just like flooring it towards. The tone of this movie is perpetually trying to get somewhere. You know, it's it's just it's trying to find a way <laughs> to to get to well get to the keys so they can set up their like florida voodoo weirdness and then it's really trying to move towards that final 20 minutes where it really that's where this guy's bullshit it works the best i feel is mm. when the movie's totally off the rails like it's not trying to be like a conventional narrative in any way yes so you're fine yes. with all the like wackadoodle cutting that he's doing because it feels like there's there's no um there's no dissonance between his narrative and and like his form everything everything is is working in concert now that concert is if we're if we're using concert as the word here it's it's like going to a, a fifth grade band concert you want to put fucking earplugs in but it, it's working there's <laughs> there's yep. not opposing forces at play here <laughs> yep it's committed to the it, it reminds me a bit if i may uh gentlemen if i can get a little highbrow for you there uh reminds me a bit of uh german uh, expressionism uh perhaps more for the mtv generation <laughs> <laughs> Mars, are you just shaking your head repeatedly right now i i'm just <laughs> i'm perplexed there's no artistry in this fucking movie whatsoever <laughs> <laughs> he's shopping his skills what skills i he's i'm sure he's a still <laughs> fucking still photographer He's not a skilled videographer, and his fucking the audio in this film is indescribably shit. Oh, oh, that's real bad. Okay. Yeah, I I didn't even know. Like the audio, I think in in several parts of this movie, it's it's pretty up and down. Whereas Resident Evil Childhood was just like consistently baseline shitty, but there are parts of Keyline Voodoo that it dips into shittier than than a bunch of twelve year olds with a VHS camera, which is impressive. <laughs> it's got to be like. I don't think they use the mic. Like I said, I, I would be shocked if this was not filmed on a cell phone and uh, using the cell phone's yeah. fucking microphone as well. Oh, the, yeah, the built-in microphone, for yeah. sure, 100%. Because there's, like, wind noise and, and stuff like that, so I'm, I'm you with know, you on that one. Can, can I be honest with you guys? Uh, actually, honest to your audience. Uh, yes. The good people at the home, 
good listeners. Um, but if you listen back a few weeks ago, you probably noticed that my audio was not that great. And uh, it, when I, I've been trying to fix it. And when I was watching this movie, I was like, oh, yeah, I should see if I could get like a boom mic or something like that. And I just started Googling things about microphones while watching the movie. And it really inspired me to, to look into some new microphones. So An I, inspiration. Yeah. I, See, I to, we, like, are, we are inspired by the trash we consume to be better people every single day. So that's but good. By the time, by the time we have that old lesbian lady who's never explicitly like outed or I don't know what the point of that was. Oh, there's a fucking refrain you could use for the whole movie. <laughs> is it supposed to be about, um, uh, is it supposed to be about something? <laughs> like... Is anything about something? What is the like? What actually happens in this movie? And you could you could exploit it to me on a metaphorical level if you want, but to me it is, it goes nowhere. Like there's nothing that happens. Like I don't know, I don't even know what the fuck happens to Zoe or Paul Lax or e even the end where it's like, oh, a month later, and then all of a sudden they're like together again, except then they're not, and he's still doing his like hernia bullshit. Like uh, Paul Lax is. <laughs> entire uh character seems to be he's a dickhead cop and he has a hernia except maybe it's a voodoo hernia <laughs> i don't know voodoo <laughs> hernia he gets papa shangoed at the end <laughs> he falls down like, and then they have him out the connection they have him like uh, again kind of a standard sort of psychedelic horror trope where he he sees his his perceived foe and kills her and then he kill it it switches perspectives and he's killed his girlfriend but then it immediately is like cool. no that didn't happen either i'm like okay what the fuck did happen exactly or why and if you say well no it's just an abstract it's not you're looking too hard at the regular narrative which is fine and well except mm -hmm. it does spend 75 percent of its runtime presenting <laughs> a, a narrative like it wants to be yes. a narrative film and does not deliver on that front and if you, but if you want to say, oh, you, you know, you're just looking at a surface level, dumb, dumb. What the fuck is this movie about? What is the <laughs> metaphor here? Uh, yeah. yeah. He was That's angry, funny. so he chased her. <laughs> Symbolism. <laughs> like, what does Audrey the voodoo orchid lady represent? I don't know what any of this fucking is meant to be. It doesn't mean anything. Awesome. It's just a jumble of yeah. images horribly edited together. <laughs> <laughs> oh, it was awesome at point. Okay, here's what I'll say. I'd like to know what these points were. Give me a point where this okay. movie was fucking awesome. <laughs> lay it okay, on him. Lay it on him, Colin. Okay. All right. All right. <laughs> there, I just want to have uh, just a couple of points first where I didn't like it, where the British cop, who is the main character, and the other cop, and the guy that was kind of trying to date his girlfriend, they're all really confusing. I don't know why any of them exist. Like, I just don't know why they're separate characters. There's too many characters and not enough reason for people to do things beyond that i think like you said there's 25 percent that's good i think the first 20 minutes and the final 20 minutes like you put that together and they're pretty cool because they they make no effort to explain what's going on as soon as you pump the brakes and you're like eh, it's not so much fun and eh, you know once they're trying to tell you what the plot is it falls apart but there's like a vibe like there's this point where she's playing guitar and, and they, they use like a, a um, 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 like an additive dissolve on something over that layer. And it just says cigarettes or something over her for no reason. 
she's just on the guitar and the word cigarettes just rolls over her. I was like, that's so cool. <laughs> like it's, it's an aesthetic. It's a style. It's, I think a deliberately ugly style. I do not think the creator intended to do that. I it doesn't even say cigarettes. It's, it's a road side that says tobacco road. <laughs> yes. I love it. It's like, I, I challenge just, you listeners. I mean, do not sit through this entire movie, but I don't even have to warn you of that because you won't. But Colin just said that the first 20 minutes of this movie are good. I challenge anyone listening after, to try and watch the first the 20 minutes of this movie without fucking losing your goddamn mind. <laughs> after right, the boys. credits, though. After the credits. After, after the, the credits, credits and before the credits. That's what I'd say. Because the, okay. the animal shots, while very good, are really boring. And there's a lot of boring in the movie. But I'm, I'm telling you, there, there's some things that I thought were very inspired. And I, I think it's accidental art. But maybe not. We'll see. Maybe in the editing room, <laughs> the they discovered they room. wanted to make something different <laughs> than what they filmed. Um, you know, a lot of people, Myros, they seem to agree more with Colin than they do with you on uh, the old reviews here. <laughs> I'm, I'm looking Finally. at the reviews for, uh, for Key Lime Voodoo. <laughs> Joe Blanco's masterpiece. And <laughs> it took this movie to finally give me the popular opinion. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Uh, there's a top 500 reviewer and a Vine Voice member from Amazon. So this is, this is uh, yeah, you could call him the Roger Ebert of, of Amazon Prime. And he says, four out of five stars, Marshland Voodoo Horror. Looks like my affinity for indie horror movies has now changed me through the eerie backwoods swamps of Florida and the Argento on acid pontoon joyride that is Key Lime Voodoo. Let me rewind that and say that to you again, Myros, because I want that to sting when you hear it. The Argento on acid pontoon joyride. This guy joyride. ever seen a fucking Dario Argento movie? I guess maybe it's wow. an Argento circa 2015 on acid. All, well, you should raise yeah, your right. vine voice yeah. to He's his. He's one of the most the, rigid, uh, formalist, like, fucking... <laughs> filmmakers that's ever existed i don't think this fucking qualifies as argento-esque even if you do want to mm. fucking defend its merits well he goes on to say over a dinner date struggling couple paul and zoe decide they need space zoe takes off for the good vibrations and claustrophobic swamplands of key lime florida is that how i describe it? i don't know uh, a lounge lizard peter introduces is he, he's just a guy at a bar a lounge no. lizard peter introduces her to orchid grower and key lime pie enthusiast audrey to whom zoe develops an attraction when ex-lover paul arrives to track down zoe what he finds oh. is a shadow of her former self and one no longer resistance to her dark inclinations what were you saying colin I just, I'm sorry. We have to talk about that guy. He's not a lounge lizard. He just looks like an old newsie. He's wearing like a newsie cap. Yeah, he, lo he looks like, uh, uh, what's his, he looks like Tommy Lee dressed as a newsie. It's so weird. <laughs> Which he is has also, no that's every guy in Florida is Tommy Lee dressed as a newsie. It's just like fucking tribal tattoos. He's got on the, the tank top and yeah, that's great. Wall okay, chain. explain this to me, though. When you were watching it, it was like, well, obviously he's in on it because mm -hmm. he's even like, what'd you do with the last body or what'd you do yeah, with yeah. this? And then later in the movie, he's like, what the fuck? She was touching uh, mud and doing like magic shit. And it's like, wait, you're not in on it. And then later not there's this really it. weird cop. And it's like, hey, wait, he's not in on it. Like there's all no, these he's characters. Just a cop. <laughs> none of these characters are in on it. Why is this happening? Like clearly, mm. it needs to. This these people should be villainous, right? Like they need to be in on yes. it to make it. Yes, more that of a is indeed the case. Except it is not. And I, I like how that cop is fucking vilified briefly. And again, you 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 must assume he's in on it, but 
The way that they fucking cast suspicion <laughs> is by uh, Paul. Um, he he goes to a coffee shop and he navigates to the Earth's uh, worst fucking fake website, uh, which declares mm-hmm. that the <laughs> chief of police has been crowned the chuggernaut. <laughs> Uh, which really is, right. that really gets Paul's goat that the the chief of police was uh, slamming down brewskis. Yeah, the Brewski beer trucking champ, the beer trucking champ. <laughs> he loses it, man. That's that's what happens, man. So, anyways, um, Mister the All Seeing Top Five Hundred Reviewer and Vine Voice on Amazon Prime, he finishes his review with Keyline Voodoo is a wonderfully homespun indie horror. And one's love or disdain for that massive segment of the genre will inform their verdict on this film. Just as it has mine. What does that even mean? I have no idea. <laughs> He's basically but, saying this is an independent horror movie. And if you love or hate independent horror movies, then that will inform your opinion of this independent horror movie. I'm pretty sure that's how things work. And then he ends his review with... Movie? <laughs> do you like movies? If you do, you'll like a movie. If you don't like movies, maybe you won't. If you like this movie, you like this movie. <laughs> he says, was this useful? If so, let me know by clicking helpful. Cheers. I think mm-hmm. I'm going to click helpful, Myros. What do you think? Uh, not helpful. Not helpful at all. My not God. Helpful. Okay. Okay. Well, I'm seeing just another uh, four-star review. Better than expected. Um, <laughs> five-star review. Great soundtrack and atmosphere. Oh, God. Uh, this person says... The majority of indie films of this nature have no soundtrack to speak of, but Key Lim, Lim well, it's, they spell it Key Lim, Key Lim Voodoo has a really great soundtrack. Yeah, because she plays Led Zeppelin. Really great music throughout, and while this might have been a low-budget movie, they really make use of a ton of interesting locations. Love the atmosphere. And I am guessing the set dressing was mostly already at each location. <laughs> set dressing. Great use of that. I enjoyed the story and the characters and the editing and jump, jump cut style works for the most part. Give this indie a try. Whoa. Do you remember that one lady? She, she, she goes and checks into the hotel because she goes into the lobby and it's like, and she's wearing like, she's, she's like decked out, like, you know, outfit going on. And then it cuts to her inside the hotel room, different outfit, decked out completely and then she's like i'm gonna leave the hotel room and also decked out totally different outfit it's like did you get outfits to do this movie what is this what is happening i think i think every character in every movie should constantly announce that they're leaving or go, or like going somewhere and i also think that every character should bring up specific plot points that they would like to move forward so that we know that they're doing it uh, also a- if you own a hotel in a movie you should do a like a fucking charo impersonation cuz that was funny to me as well uh, so i'm looking at this all seeing eye power reviewer guy cuz i'm like why is he a power reviewer and why is he selling he's full of shit what is he he's the all seeing eye man Fucking Panopticon. Did you read Foucault? He's reviewed a bunch of toothpaste, some bully sticks, and I, I can see four films here. Oh, my man loves key lime voodoo, and he loves dried up bull penises that you feed to your dog. Yes, yeah, he's, 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 he's reviewed uh, a robust slate of films, uh, such as Five Stars for Blazing Saddles, Five Stars for Monty Python's Life of Brian, Five Stars yeah. for Pulp Fiction, and Five Stars mm. for volcanic ufo mysteries that sounds fun this is the most dad man i've ever fucking seen in my life i don't understand what's happening he's a a five-star reviewer man that's what he does just everything i don't think he has a single smash that helpful button dog 
<laughs> Did you like the scene where uh, there she, she goes and sees a psychic and they're talking and she goes, oh, this is a death card because something bad is happening, which isn't even accurate on how that stuff works. And, and then the psychic goes, I am psychic. And then she looks at him and goes, I came here to learn something positive. That's not what I wanted to hear as she walks out. <laughs> like, <laughs> let me exactly tell you what the scene is. So this is important. And that has, wait a minute. The fortune teller then talks to the Yes, he the also has a scene with Paul because he was so fucking great the first mm-hmm. time. We had to get him in a second. Yeah, he was good. <laughs> Use what Who's you got. British? Oh, no, the British cop who looks at that guy. <laughs> he looks at that guy in Florida, even though he says he's from Maryland or whatever, and goes, I'm taking over your operation. <laughs> like, that's not <laughs> how it works. That's not how it works at all. <laughs> uh. And it doesn't. Oh, God, it's so good. I, oh. I I I can't understand. There's no entertainment to be found here. It, it's it, it's, it, it it's is. a real struggle to find negative reviews, though, Myros. I've only found one. I know this it's, thing's it's, packed it's, to high hell. They must say I I'm going to assume it's the musician has like a following. Was like watch this oh. movie, and then they're like you're oh, underestimating okay. the power of the Blanco heads. Yeah, <laughs> so we call ourselves. Or uh, the zits, you know, whiteheads, zits. That's what we call ourselves, Joe Blanco fans. <laughs> you know what? You know what was really <laughs> awesome though is th- is that they. This is why I think it's accidental and not intentional. But I'm hoping that the director or the editor will like maybe try and work on something else. Is that they they never cut the camcorder audio, no matter what, even if there was music playing, even if the there editor, was sound you effects. You mean Joe Blanco? Yeah, even if there was no audio to be found, they're just like room tone, just no. and then you hear, hear some ADR like, I don't know what I'm doing in this room, but I'll say like, and like, just like clear as day, clear as day, and not even the same people, not even close. Like, yeah. how many times did this film edit in like uh, a static shot of a black and white photo sitting on a, a mantle? I think that I think I that, that is in the film approximately 150 times. It's called the establishing shot. They have to establish that room the same way every single time. <laughs> I still, oh, man. I I feel like I, I'm destined to lose this one, which is I, I, coming in. I I would have given myself a zero percent chance of losing this one. This is a astonishing mm. achievement in in trash editing, and and well, one of the very worst films I've ever watched for this podcast. I'd say. Myros, you know, perhaps like the writer and director and star of Resident Evil Childhood, you too will be undone by your own hubris. Or perhaps, uh, it, perhaps this decision won't even go to Colin if, if uh, you know, the host isn't just angling for a victory and wants to <laughs> approach, approach this from his own perspective. Well, you know, you know, uh, Myros, you've clearly, you, you've gone to bad for your film. And while I will agree that it is terrible, it's a terrible movie, I, I did not enjoy Key Lime Voodoo, uh, I, I think that the idea of taking something that you made as a kid, doing Ugh. a piss poor job of updating it, and then pushing it out on a, a streaming platform like Amazon, like it's something that other people would want to see, that level of hubris is, it, it, it disgusts me quite frankly. And Joe Blanco, <laughs> love him or hate him, this was a passion project for him. He, he toiled for decades as a photographer, and he said, the one thing I need to do in my life is I need to finally make a movie. And he wanted to make it in the Florida Keys. He wanted to reconnect with the place where he grew up, and he got to create a movie and the community that he grew up in and loved. And this is the fruit, the key lime, if you will, of his labor. 
All right. I don't think I'll ever eat a slice of key lime pie again. It's been fucking ruined for me. <laughs> well, that God. is why I, I must vote for Resident Evil Childhood as, as the worst film in, in this instance. Yeah. So, Colin goes to you. Uh, what are you, you going to say here? How are you voting, buddy? No, fuck Resident Evil. That's the worst one. Resident Evil Childhood loses. It, I hate it. I hate that movie so much because it was just nothing. And they didn't update it at all. They didn't try and do anything cool. At least like Key Lime Voodoo, I just, I'm, it's just... You know, it's just what's that bullshit that was from F for Fake, where it's it's Orson Welles and he's just like, yes, but is it art? And it's like, yeah, <laughs> like that's what I feel like when I'm watching this. Um, the first twenty minutes after the intro, after all the animal shots, I'd say like mm. the final fifteen, maybe the final ten. There's it's not as consistent in those final bits, so you can see I'm already. <laughs> <laughs> I'm already stepping back on that. But there's like moments of it that I think are actually uh, cool. I think it's fun at points. I think as soon as it tries to have a plot, that's when it just, it sucks. It should have just been like a, a, a long music video. That's what it wanted to be. So just do that. Like like a Circus du Soleil or something. Like that's what it was trying to do. So just your uh, Florida Keys travel log. Oh yeah. As much as, uh, as much as I desperately want to watch fucking 80 minutes of a coffee shop, fucking Lilith Fair reject bullshit. Uh, I don't know. I just, <laughs> Who's Lilith Fair again? Oh, Liz Fair. No, not Liz Fair. No, no, Lilith, Lilith Fair. Fair. Lilith Fair. Where, where were you in uh, 1996? Clearly not bumping Ani DeFranco and Meredith Brooks. No, who did who? You say you only hear what you want to. You know, uh, God, what's her name? With the glasses. I don't know. What, it, why is this relevant? What a digression <laughs> to go on. We're trying to think of 90s women songwriters. That's that's all I could think of. Uh, Jewel, for sure. Um, what about uh, the sad the dog commercial lady? Uh, the co-stars who are members of Luscious Jackson. Uh, I'm trying to think of more because there's a, like a bunch. Lisa Loeb um, is who you're thinking of, by the way. Lisa Loeb, cat eye glasses. There you go. I have no, I you. have no idea what your point is, but that's what that's what you're thinking of. Much like uh, I can see why you jive with this movie. You're off on your own fucking island, uh, <laughs> beating the bongos about Lisa Loeb. You and Joe Blanco <laughs> would probably get along great, and instead, uh, we we've committed a great travesty. I. I repeat my edict, listener, anyone who is uh, hearing this, just go cue this fucking thing up and try and sit through the first 15 minutes of it. And then hearken back to, to Colin's words where he says that the, the first 20 minutes are excellent and interesting. And uh, I, can, I can virtually guarantee you will have immediately shut the thing off and gone to your cupboard and fucking pounded about eight Excedrin to get through the day. <laughs> Please watch oh. in a dark room. <laughs> this episode brought to you by Excedrin. <laughs> At Excedrin Migraine Plus, for those hard to cure migraines. Uh, no, okay, so I mean, yeah, that pretty much wraps it up. I will take my big W. I think that puts me up two to one for this season. Is that right? Somehow. Somehow. Well, there's a will, there's a way. Uh, yeah, sometimes you need a child to, to beat a filmmaker with the mind of a child. So I will take my W happily. If you are listening to this podcast, do us a big favor. There's a couple of links in the description. The first one will take you to our iTunes page. If you have not had a chance to do this yet, dear listener, please go to our iTunes page. Leave a five-star written review. Helps us out immensely with our visibility. Make sure you check that out. Also, the second link in the description of this podcast will take you to our Patreon page. If you're uh, I, I, Things aren't great right now, but if you're doing okay and you want to throw a couple bucks our way, 
We are part of the Greater Optimism Vaccine Network. So you can donate a couple bucks to Optimism Vaccine. That will put you into the, uh, the, the secret area of the world of Optimism Vaccine where there are uh, tons of, of written uh, articles. There's, there's podcasts, all kinds of exclusive things no one else has access to. How exciting is that for you? Uh, brand new content, old content, all kinds of things on the Patreon. Throw us a couple bucks. Podcasting is expensive. If you got it, we could use it. So make sure you do that. Also, if you have any questions, comments, concerns, death threats, marriage proposals, optimismvaccine at gmail.com is the email. Myros is standing by, hitting refresh. Uh, so you can tell him how much you loved Key Lime Voodoo and how wrong he is about everything. You could also tweet at us, at optimismvaccine. And uh, yeah, I don't know. We'll probably respond on there too. So make sure you do that. Colin, thank you as always for being a, a fair and balanced voice in uh, this this ongoing dispute between Myros and myself. Oh boy. Oh, absolutely. Fair and balanced. Get out the loofah. Let's do it. We got to get Coleman it, back baby. for the next episode. <laughs> guys. We, we got to bring in Coleman. A man with some All sense. All right, guys. See you next week. <laughs> Peace.